This episode is made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. I strive to make this podcast a safe and inclusive place for my listeners. If I've missed any content warnings, please let me know. Content warnings for this episode include strong language, mature themes, and erotic transformations. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 275. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I'm your host, Chris Lester. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorecity.com. This is the show where I share my fresh new fiction with you and tell you what's new with my writing endeavors. So let's get right to it. Here is this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 16 in my Metamore City novel, Making the Cut. If you're new to the show, don't start here. Go back to Episode 259 to hear this story from the beginning. The following recap will contain spoilers. In last week's episode, Daniel was leaving the funeral for Del Matthews when he ran into Ava Selindi. The androgyne runner had learned that the size Victor killed on the mission were friends of Daniel's, and thought that he might need someone to talk to. Daniel was not exactly happy to see her at first, but since he can't be honest with anyone else about what happened at the Skyport, he took her up on the offer. Daniel went with Ava's male persona, Evan, to a nearby pub, where he laid out the dilemma that had led him to join the Skyport mission. He explained that as a male teep with minimal psionic talents, he has little prospect of being allowed to raise a family in the Collective, but his debts to the Metamore Hive mean that he won't be allowed to leave. He believes in the ideals that the Collective espouses, but it isn't living up to them, at least not where people like him are concerned. Daniel took the mission in the hope of buying his way to a better life, but after giving his blood money to Dell's widow, he's just as stuck as he ever was. Hearing all this, Selindy proposed a different approach to Daniel's problem. Rather than trying to escape the Collective, Daniel can make himself more valuable to them. He can't do anything about his psi powers, but there is one power that the Collective cares about more than anything else— the ability to give birth to the next generation of telepaths. Daniel could take the curse of Metamore and become an androgyne. Daniel was, of course, leery about this idea. He's not attracted to men, so the idea of having sex with one is not something he's sure he could go through with. Selindy assured him that the curse will help with this, and that most first-generation androgynes make the transition just fine but Daniel wasn't willing to make such a drastic, irreversible change without knowing whether he'd be able to live with it. That gave Ava a new idea, giving Daniel a temporary spell that can mimic the effects of the androgyne curse. She knows a wizard who's an expert in transformation magic, and she's willing to put up the cost for the necessary potion. She can't bring back Daniel's friends, but at least she can help him to make a better life for himself. Seeing the sincerity in her eyes, Daniel agreed to give it a try. 
Making the Cut, a novel of Metamore City, written and read by Chris Lester. Part 2, Free Agents. Chapter 16, Friday, May 31st. The knock at the door came at a quarter to seven, just as they had arranged. Daniel opened the door and was greeted by the very agreeable sight of Ava in a little black cocktail dress. The outfit practically qualified as public lingerie, with a neckline that showed a generous amount of cleavage and a skirt that was slit almost to the waist along one thigh. Her liquid gold hair had been teased and quaffed into thick, silky waves that hung loose around her shoulders with only a few subtle hairpins holding it back around her face. A pair of black heels showed off her perfect legs and put her at eye level with Daniel, who is currently barefoot. She was, in a word, extraordinary. Eva lifted a garment bag and handed it to Daniel. Hello, darling, she said, smiling brilliantly as she put on her faux Skywalker accent. Are you ready to rock the town tonight? As ready as I'll ever be, Daniel said, returning the smile. Please come in. She cast an appraising look around the apartment as she entered. Your flatmates are out, I take it? Daniel nodded. Kevin's meeting his boyfriend for dinner, and Nathan's at a concert. It's just as well. I'd rather not deal with the questions right now. He raised the garment bag questioningly. What have I got here, one of your outfits? Absolutely, darling. The clothes are spell-woven to fit anyone, so you needn't worry about the size. Here, you'll need this. She fished around in her purse for a moment, and drew out a small, screw-cap vial made of amber glass, which she handed to him. Artax assures me that this potion will precisely mimic the effects of the androgyne curse. What you see is what you'll get, if you decide to go through with it. Daniel looked at the vial with interest. It had a store label on it. Apparently the potion was from some place called Spells for You, which didn't strike him as the name of a respectable establishment. Then again, this was supposedly the same wizard who had created Ava's shapeshifting garment, so he obviously knew more than a little about transmutation magic. Below the store logo was a description of the potion and a list of warnings in small type. Not recommended for use by androgynes. Do not combine with other transmutation spells. Do not take if pregnant or nursing. Do not take while operating heavy machinery. Remove clothing before taking. Keep out of reach of children. Does it hurt? he asked, looking up at her. Ava rolled her eyes. Heavens, no. Mostly it just tingles a bit. Well, she amended, I suppose it might be uncomfortable if you didn't remove your clothes first. I'll keep that in mind. He gestured at the couch and chairs in the adjoining living room. Make yourself at home. I guess I'm gonna go change. Indeed you are, she said, grinning. Sit down when you do. I'm told the first time can be a bit disorienting. Nodding his thanks, he took the garment bag in one hand and the vial in the other, and went into the bathroom. He hung the bag on the shower curtain rod, and stripped out of his clothes before turning his attention back to the vial. 
A thin plastic wrapper covered the screw cap, and its holographic seal attested that the potion had been approved by the Bureau of Magic Regulation. He removed the wrapper and opened the vial, setting the cap aside. The dark, clear liquid inside smelled like strawberries and cinnamon. He sat down on the lid of the toilet and faced the mirror, holding the vial to his lips. Here goes nothing, he said, and downed the potion. The stuff burned on the way down. Daniel guessed that the wizard must have used some sort of liquor as the base. He felt a warm sensation as it settled into his stomach. Where that feeling would have quickly dissipated with a normal drink, however, Daniel now felt it growing inside him. The warmth spread across his stomach, up into his torso, and down into his groin, and finally to his head and extremities, until it felt like he was glowing beneath his skin. Then, almost before he knew it was happening, his body began to change. It started with a prickling, pins-and-needles sensation along his arms, upper legs, and chest. Daniel looked down and saw his body hair receding, leaving behind only a fine layer of almost invisible peach fuzz against his mocha-brown skin. The odd feeling spread up his neck and into his cheeks, eradicating his five o'clock shadow and leaving his skin as soft as a newborn's. A moment later, he could feel the bones and cartilage shifting in his face, altering his features. He didn't have time to watch the changes in detail, though, because by then, too many things were happening to him at once. He saw his muscular arms and legs redefine themselves, becoming smooth and slender. The changes then spread to his neck, and he watched in the mirror as his Adam's apple vanished and the musculature of his neck and shoulders became more effeminate. His ribcage and waist reshaped themselves in subtle ways as his hips shifted and broadened. Then the tingling concentrated itself around his groin, and he gasped at the wave of sensation that passed through him. Though this was by far the most dramatic change, Daniel was too distracted to watch the process in detail. The transformation sent his nerve endings alight, and in seconds his pleasure centers were in the midst of sensory overload. He felt a strong pulling sensation, followed by a churning rearrangement of his internal anatomy, but those signals were nearly drowned out as his body responded to its most sensitive region being abruptly restructured. Daniel heard a soft, feminine moan of pure ecstasy, and it took a moment before he recognized that it had come from himself. The pleasurable haze diminished, but not completely. As Daniel opened his eyes, he felt the tingling concentrate itself around his chest. He watched as his nipples engorged themselves, tripling in size and darkening to the color of chocolate. Daniel reached up to touch them, and newly sensitive nerve endings sent little electric bolts of pleasure down his body, grounding themselves in the soft folds of tissue that now waited between his legs. Then the flesh beneath the nipples began to expand, swelling outward until two perfect breasts filled his hands, and then became more than an easy handful. Daniel felt the new weight settle against his chest, but his pecs and back muscles were still strong, and he found that the feeling didn't bother him. Of course, the fact that the transformation had felt better than it had any right to might have had something to do with that. 
Daniel hadn't felt this good since his all-day romp with Rebecca after final exams three years ago. Daniel stood and looked at himself in the mirror. Even knowing roughly what to expect, the results astonished him. He had lost a few centimeters of height, but he was still quite tall for a woman. 177 or 178, he guessed, much like Ava herself. His long arms and legs, slender waist, muscular abs, and shapely breasts made him look like the long-lost goddess of athletics. His hair fell around his shoulders in glossy black waves. When did that happen, he wondered. But any further pondering on that subject was postponed when he looked at his face. While Daniel had always known he was good-looking, as a woman he was simply gorgeous. His high cheekbones, straight nose, and blue eyes gave homage to his Kitchlander ancestors, while his full lips and dark skin reflected his Arambian heritage, and his thick, wavy black hair was proof of his Songafilter blood. The end result of this diverse, ethnic mixture was a beauty so captivating that Daniel was pretty sure it could stop traffic. "'Damn,' he murmured, surprising himself again with the rich contralto of his own voice. If this is what the curse can do, no wonder people take it. He looked down at his body again, studying it more closely. Though his arms and legs were much leaner than they had been, his background in medicine told him not to worry. A woman's muscles were denser and more compact than a man's, at an equivalent level of strength. He flexed his arms experimentally, and could feel that his muscle tone was still intact, though the muscles didn't pop as much as they once had. Looking further down, he saw that the spell hadn't taken any aesthetic license with his body hair. Though his arms, chest, and upper legs were now smooth and bare, his lower legs were almost as hairy as they had been when he was a man. Daniel suspected he would have to do something about that, given Ava's taste in evening wear. Opening up the garment bag, Daniel pulled out his new wardrobe and examined it carefully. The dress was a vivid crimson, with a V-neck and flutter sleeves. He held it up against his body, liking the way the color complemented his dark skin. The hemline fell a few centimeters above his knees, short but not so short that he would feel immodest. Along with the dress, the bag included a pair of matching red low-heeled shoes, stockings, a garter belt, low-rise hip-hugger panties, and a demi-cup bra. The undergarments were made of smooth fabric, with no prominent lines or seams, probably to keep them from showing through under a tight-fitting dress. The stockings were sheer, with about a decimeter of black lace near the top. Daniel looked from the clothes to his body and back again. Some judicious hair removal was definitely in order. He fished around under the sink for a minute and pulled out Kevin's bottle of depilatory cream. Unlike its mundane equivalents, the alchemical substance was both fast-acting and gentle on the skin. Squeezing a dollop of the cream into his hands, he ran it over his legs and under his arms. The hair came off almost instantaneously, leaving his skin smooth and tingling in its wake. His eyes fell on the thin, stretchy fabric of the panties, and after a moment's thought he did the same to the area between his legs. After washing the remaining cream from his hands and wiping himself down with a damp washcloth, 
Daniel turned his attention to getting dressed. After living with Rebecca for four years, Daniel was familiar with women's undergarments and how they were put on. Actually, he was better acquainted with how they were removed, but his eye for detail was keen enough that he had little trouble now. He knew enough to put on the garter belt and stockings before the panties, thereby making any late-night visits to the restroom that much easier. The bra gave him a little more trouble, but he figured out the clasps after fumbling with them for a minute or so. The bra's material was loose and unsupportive at first, but as soon as the clasps had closed, the spell-woven garment tightened around him. In the space of a few seconds, it molded itself to fit his breasts, lifting and supporting them without becoming too tight. That is really arc, he murmured, wondering again at how much money Ava must make in a year. He put on the dress and shoes, then turned this way and that in front of the mirror, looking at himself from all angles. The dress hugged close to his abdomen and upper body, but it flared out below the waist, which made it easy to move in. The heels were low enough that they felt only a little awkward, for which Daniel was grateful. He'd seen more than a few college students turn themselves into women for Daedrachema, and they always embarrassed themselves if they tried to wear high heels without any prior experience. A knock sounded at the door. Daniel, are you all right in there? Smiling, Daniel turned and slowly opened the door, putting his other hand on his hip in what he hoped was a suitably sexy pose. It must have worked, because Ava's eyes widened as she looked Daniel up and down. A slow grin spread over her face. Brilliant, she said, beaming. Daniel ran a hand through his long black hair. You like? His voice came out as a sexy purr, which he found both satisfying and a little disturbing. Ava licked her lips. Danny, darling, if you weren't off limits, I don't think we'd be leaving this apartment. And I speak both for myself and Evan with that sentiment. Daniel chuckled. Danny, is it? Well, we can't very well keep calling you Daniel, Ava said reasonably. Turn around and let me see how it fits you. Daniel, Danny, rather, did as Ava asked, turning in a slow circle. Very nice. I knew red would be a good color for you. How are the shoes? Not too bad, I think. I'll have to try walking with them to be sure. You'll get plenty of chance for that. I don't have any makeup for someone with your skin tone, so we'll need to stop at the store before we go to the club. Danny looked down at his outfit. I hope you brought a spare purse, he said with a smirk. The dress is beautiful, but I can't carry a thing in it. I barely have enough room for my dignity. Ava laughed and put her arm around Danny. Good, you have a sense of humor. Hold on to that and you'll be fine. Glad to hear it. In the purse? In the skimmer, Ava promised. Come on, let's go. The city's waking up, and you're going to see it like you never have before. And that's the end of Chapter 16. Come back next time, when Danny and Ava hit the town for a girls' night out. Diane Setterfield said, 
My study throngs with characters waiting to be written. Imaginary people, anxious for a life, who tug at my sleeve, crying, Me next! Go on, my turn! So, let's see who's in the waiting room of my brain. Here's your weekly writing report. This update covers the week of February 6th through February 12th. I wrote 5,900 words this week, over the course of 10 hours, for an average writing speed of 590 words per hour. As of Friday night, I've gone 299 days without breaking my chain. This week I completed the first draft of the Honor Bound Trilogy. The finished manuscript came to 133,777 words, with 48 chapters over three volumes. I started Honor Bound on April 20th, 2020, and finished it on February 11th, 2021, for a total of 298 calendar days from start to finish. I worked on the novel on 166 of those days, for a total of 213 hours, averaging 806 words per day. The book is now off with my beta reader and my narrators, as well as two sensitivity readers, who are checking my portrayals of queer characters, DS dynamics, and poly relationships. Meanwhile, I've started working on a short prequel story starring Natasha. The story is called Learning the Ropes, and we'll look at how Natasha started figuring out her identity as a sexual dominant. I've written about 500 words on this story so far. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255-082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook. And our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2021 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives license. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.